Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Try new Sonic cheeseburgers starting at only $3.99 for a limited time only at Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. What's up, man? Hi. Uh, how was your Christmas break? Good. Lots of basketball. Some bad basketball. A little better basketball. It's good. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the full slate on Christmas. I saw bits of it here and there. But, uh, yeah, I saw the last game. <laughs> Uh, which was against the Mavericks. We're not really going to be touching too much on that because, honestly, it's more of the same conversation we had last week and the week before. Uh, They lost to Sacramento on the road. They lost to Dallas at home, both of which were more of the same issues. And we were reminded, um, or just in case you were looking at other stuff for whatever reason, like the night and day difference between how they played in Houston and how they've been pretty much playing almost the entire month was there. Uh, 129-113 win over Houston. This is a four-game stretch they have where it is Houston, Charlotte, Orlando, and Portland. Uh, These last three, beginning with tonight against Charlotte, are all at home. Some of these teams are good. Houston's pretty solid. Orlando's pretty good. Charlotte's not good. Portland's not good. But it's four young teams where the Suns have an advantage even over continuity. If those teams have continuity like Orlando does, for example, They're experienced, they're older, they're veterans. It should be a matchup that they're favored in, four straight that they should be the favorites in, and then the schedule's a gauntlet we'll talk about later. Uh, But it's good to see them at least click into form for one game uh, because part of what I've been talking about for weeks is that you hope that there's some things clicking into place whenever Bradley Beal is back and whenever the team is nearly at full strength or just about at full strength, and apparently that is tonight. Because the Suns said Bradley Beal is available for the Charlotte game. This is the this is take three or no? This is take two of the big three, I believe. But game number three overall that they're three playing overall, together. Yeah. It was basically one game, four minutes, and then this one that we're at. So you get a Charlotte team that is already bad and already dealing and also dealing with some injuries. Um, I'm not sure who else is out besides Gordon Hayward, but I think Lamelo is still out. So uh, a great opportunity is what I'll phrase this three games and four nights at home schedule as because um, the schedule gets tough here in a bit and they need to start to click some things together. I want to go back to, I guess I want to, the only things I want to take out of the Christmas games were when I watched it back because I was doing Christmas stuff and I, I wasn't paying great attention to it. I watched it again like Tuesday Um and I honestly saw signs of better stuff. Now there was still just like massive rotation issues. Like they just kept spamming high pick and rolls with Luca, and he's really good and scored 50 and all that stuff. Um, and there were problems there, but I saw more at least defensive juice, energy, whatever you want to call it, but also offensively, like they were actually whipping the ball around pretty well, um, or at least trying, and and they weren't shooting very well. There were a lot of misses, and it was really like timing stuff and just rhythm stuff. Um, But I think that was a positive sign going into the Rockets game, and that was when just, to me, everything offensively was clicking. Like KD... 
assumed a little more point stuff. He was making simple passes. He wasn't high post trying to throw it, skit pass over a couple arms, a um, couple guys' arms. Just swing it once, and Eric Gordon was obviously the big benefactor. And he and Grayson Allen have been pretty good the last few games. So that was good. Obviously, Houston does not have the Luka or guy who's going to break your not very clean rotations and make them look even worse than they already are. So we have to see that um, probably after this next little stretch when they have a tougher stretch. Um, But the Houston game, do you... We both talked because we were both filling in a Bickley and Murata, but do you see that as a turning point, as a just sign that, okay, this isn't just completely going down the drain? Like, how do you kind of consume... like one game where they actually looked for like generally over four quarters, pretty consistently playing well together. Like, is that all it is? I think it was just a sign that they can do this, which I think we all already knew Yeah, that they were capable of this. If they had players who hadn't been around winning environments before, even with their experience, I guess we could have questioned if they were capable of this, but we know what they're capable of and we know that they're capable of at any moment figuring this out it's too early to say if this is them figuring it out it'll be too early if they defiantly win all three of these games at home it's just more about like two weeks from now where they're at Mm -hmm. and i think the main thing that everyone wants to see is them just stay healthy for two weeks and play the same eight or nine guys for uh eight or nine straight games whatever the case may be um some of the tinkering or not some of the tinkering the tinkering done lately has been good mm-hmm. um azabuki's coming to the rotation for drew eubanks saban lee got in there for jordan goodwin those two moves have worked out because those two guys have just brought a level of energy and just i don't know what else to put it as just energy um and, athleticism and a, you know what they're good at i guess yeah in a, in a presence i think those two guys that they replaced were athletic for sure but I just think what they've brought is something different, and I wrote about it on the site last night. Like Vogel deserves credit for, and his coaching staff uh, deserves credit for mixing and matching still at this time when a lot, when logic more points towards and the um, the constant points towards sticking to guys and building chemistry and building continuity right now. Because if he's building chemistry and continuity with guys who aren't bringing what he wants, then that's not the right move. Yeah, and I think that's more of what it has been um, about uh, the backup center thing and the center rotation in general has been something we've talked about a lot. Um, Azubuke has played well uh, in both games. I think that he's in the Chemezi Metsu category of is going to make mistakes, just has to play through them, and if he plays through them, he's going to be fine. And so far he has been playing through them and he has been fine. I think his mistakes really haven't been as glaring either um, through two games, but just like defensive positioning, getting your feel for everything, because this is like the first time he's been um, in, in like a legitimate rotation on like a really good team. Because um, when he was getting minutes for Utah, hardly any of it was coming in real situations. A lot of it was when they were completely ridden with injuries and they were tanking, whatever you want to call it, like shut down the last 15 games of the year when he was getting in there more so. Uh, so I've been impressed with him. I think he's been good. Um, we talked with him this morning at shoot around and I asked him about playing with guys like Booker and Durant that not only draw a crowd as a finisher, but are also able to like see the pass every time. And he mentioned like the first time they played at training camp or practice, he was like pretty blown away by just like how 
good they were as complete offensive players. Not to say he didn't think they were good passers, but just with the way that they saw the floor and were just able to break it down, everything, and dissect um, everything. So he's been solid. Uh, Grace Down continues to be great. Eric Gordon had a bounce back game. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it exactly. His uh, sh- shots are going to fluctuate throughout, but uh, yeah, it was. You can look at that game as a response to the ESPN story, which was a really. <laughs> we have to acknowledge it, but like, why are we? Well, it was dumb for several reasons, but one of them was that it was stated, and like you would think, if you wouldn't have seen the original source, that it was like this. 9,000 word magnum opus on just like the turmoil inside the Suns locker room and that's not what happened Yeah, Woj was on TV promoting a game coming up and just mentioned what he had been hearing which is what he had been hearing is that Kevin Durant is frustrated and people can take that and spin it as aggressive but just use it to platform their agendas and start talking about and being like does KD really not want to be in Phoenix again yeah is he he doesn't have any other choices like this is it buddy and it's like this he didn't say he was frustrated by his situation or anything like Woj didn't get into any specifics he just used the word frustrated and everyone on the team is obviously frustrated and I thought that's all that was going to come of it but then you use that it's like what is he frustrated about and then people start speculating because of how vague and broad of a report it was and it turned into this really ridiculous news cycle KD commented back on Instagram and by and, the way, the Instagram post, I didn't even realize until I was forced to look into this, was like a person taking a video clip of him having a bad play or something, and then the caption was like, "He's is he mentally checked out? And it was from the Woj report that they would have done this. So it's like the context removed is Woj hearing it through a source who sees Kevin Durant's frustration by the way i can see that when he throws a bad pass or something and he like hangs his head like from the tv like i could have put out that report basically um so i don't know why woge even said it that way um but then it gets gone to some random instagram person i don't even know if it's important to know who posted it katie of course doesn't help by commenting because he likes to comment and everything which is fun and then yeah and then we have to talk about it and then shams has to put out the counter report which is that what we're saying right now which is common sense but yes it's frustrating to lose yeah that's a difficult chore those video clips by the way were like when the game was over it was like three minutes left and they were down (laughs) nine or 15 or whatever the game's over everyone on the court looks like that yeah i could have taken that video of anyone two weeks ago four weeks ago as context is everything sleepy joe flacco last night on the tv looked like he was falling asleep on the bench which like yeah and if they were down like 40 you'd be like oh is joe flacco checked out (laughs) Oh no. my gosh. Is he too old for this? Oh no. But yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy that this is like how the I get, I don't know. I sound like an old person complaining about social media, but this is how far it's bent from reality. It's like what do you want to see the most with Beal? Um one, I just want to see him healthy enough to just play like they want him to play, and by that I mean like when he came back from his back injury initially, before he was shut down again you could tell like oh we're being careful we're playing him off the ball a lot like i want to see how they want him to operate like on the regular and that's like being a lead ball handler part of the time with KD and book um not just easing him in i guess because if if it's a health reason that you're easing him him in that's not good so i just want to see them 
have aggression and and the last the Houston game one thing in there like Katie's triple double was great because he was being very aggressive and it wasn't like apprehensive passing it was all right I'm just gonna swing it and it'll probably end up well even if it's not like the most creative pass he was pulling up in transition or semi-transition which he has not done very much this year and that's like one of his best strengths is just like pulling from three as he's bringing it up off the full sprint so that kind of stuff and and just all three of those guys not trying to overshare i guess is what i'm saying like they're good enough passers where they can and scores where they can just shoot and be aggressive and if they make a right pass make the right pass but don't not shoot because oh you're easing in and that kind of thing so that's i just want to see them try to go full go and it's not going to go cleanly but like you just got to get used to people right um but if you're aggressive and you're just playing like your natural self i i think that's where they have to start from um at this point in the season yeah he only missed five games that's the thing is that you react in the moment he's injured he's going to miss time again and then you look at the time and he missed five total and honestly it might games. be better for the back injury <laughs> like Assuming the ankle's good, like a silver yeah, lining. Yeah, I thought in that. the I thought in the Brooklyn game he didn't really look like himself, and then he had a back cut layup in the Knicks game, and when he like the way he exploded and went towards the basket, I was like, "There's Brad Beal," mm-hmm. and then two minutes later, so that's the answer to my own question, which is I just want to see him moving like himself mm-hmm. and looking like himself because I still that was the closest uh, we've gotten all regular season preseason we saw saw it obviously before the back stuff started to flare up but that's it for me um i think that him being back to that guy will help book yeah i think the right way to put it i want to say get back on the same page or get back on the right page but it's easy to forget that he was like doing player of the month mvp candidate stuff and then this skid came in and in the last six games he's scored under 30 points which is like think about what I'm saying. He's reached 20 in all yeah. those games, but he hasn't reached 30. It's like the high, I'm one of the best scorers in the world, level scoring that we haven't seen from him in the last six games. And I think a lot of that has to do with them. The thing Bick and I talked about on Wednesday was, I said there's like this spectrum right now where on this end it is like overpassing too much, and on this end it is the book KD offense. Yeah, And it has to be in the middle, obviously. And it was just leaning way too much in one direction uh, or the other. And I thought in the Houston game, uh, it was much better and much more sound. And they get a chance to repeat that here. And Beal will only help with that. I hope they do some screening stuff. Um, They've used Goodwin there, but they haven't used a ton of guys otherwise in that spot. And uh, Zach Lowe wrote about that before the season started about using Beal as a screener, and I think that's something that anything to open up more space and make things more comfortable for everyone should be the priority. Yeah. Um, to just jump back to your point about Beal helping Book and, and KD, I, I think a lot of what the skid was and how junky their offense looked was actually like Book and KD trying to force things um, and and missing the connection of like, when I should pass to my teammates and share the ball and when I should score. Like, I just think they had too much on their shoulders and they were trying to do too much. And then I do think Mavs and, and Rockets games were positive signs of like, okay, we need to, we need to just get back to sharing, trusting people, 
letting the the ball flow and the ball move and and find our spots um and and it also matters that like he comes back and takes something off of them so they can play better defense cuz they're going to need them to play defense and they haven't been um as a team playing very good defense at all so yeah i think i think it i didn't think that beal coming back would solve a lot of problems like 2 weeks ago but now i actually do think it comes at a really important time where like he's going to relieve offer relief i guess for this team book this month 38 minutes per game that is too high Uh, durant 37 which is right around where he normally is but it should still be lower it has been out of desperation and necessity and i don't disagree with them playing that much over this stretch but that's where book or uh, beal excuse me should help them a lot Mm -hmm. more in balancing the scales and because i'm sure there's like a three minute segment in each half where that's where Beal would be in and both those guys would be resting and that's six minutes of rest. Now we're talking about 32 minutes a game for Booker and yeah. so on and so forth. It really is that easy. Sometimes shouts out Chemezi Metu. Yeah. He had 23-19 and 19 against Dallas. I thought he played well against Houston. Again, I like the way that Vogel is mixing and matching, using him as a four or a five because that's going to be lineup flexibility down the line if Metu indeed continues to play like this mm-hmm. um, because it gives him different matchups to look at. As a four, he's a more natural floor spacer. As a five, he can kind of mix and match between stuff because we talked about his diving and his explosiveness coming into the year. Um, and he's been pretty darn good. And again, like defensively, I haven't noticed like a ton in terms of him being... Uh, I want to say I wanted to say disconnected, but the whole team was disconnected defensively for nearly a month. Yeah, um, he wasn't noticeably worse, I guess I should say. And the defense was much better against Houston. It had segments against Dallas. It had segments against Sacramento. So they're they're getting there. And I think the thing to realize, if you haven't already, is that this is not going to be an overnight thing. Play this in two months when they go seventeen and two over this stretch. But it's not going to be Brad's back. They're gonna win 14 straight or whatever it's going to take a little bit of time there's going to be some losses that shouldn't entirely 100 percent mirror the games we've seen but they're going to resemble and you're going to see like the houston game i included it in the story yesterday there were still like seven or eight terrible turnovers just like really bad that shouldn't happen yeah um and that's just that kind of stuff or blown defensive assignments or whatever are going to happen um the schedule point i made so they've had at like two games ago, three games ago, they were at the easiest schedule in the league. They've dropped down a little bit, but strength of schedule wise, they're they have the highest one of the teams that don't suck. Because when you suck, you're not playing um, yourself. You're playing other teams that have way better records than you. Like San Antonio is going to always have like the worst strength of schedule, or Detroit, or whatever, right? Um, but they're they're up there right now. So I mentioned Charlotte, Orlando, Portland. Portland's on New Year's Day to start January, but then it is Clippers, Heat, Grizzlies, who have run one four straight with John Morant and are looking like they could potentially not be out of it just yet. Clippers, Lakers. Then you get the Blazers, but then it is the Kings, Pelicans, Pacers, Bulls, who are playing really well right now. Mavericks, Pacers, Magic, Heat and the Nets. That is January. And the end of that 
on January 24th, Wednesday. They are at Dallas, and that begins what is a seven-game East Coast road trip. Dallas is not on the East Coast. I understand that. But then it goes Indiana, Orlando, Miami, Brooklyn, Atlanta, and then Washington at the end. And then like you go through February and March, and it's the same kind of thing. Like Milwaukee, Utah, Golden State, Sacramento, Detroit, Dallas. Yes, there's some stinkers in there. But Houston, Lakers, Houston, Houston, Oklahoma City, Denver, Toronto, Boston, Cleveland, Boston. Like That's a brutal stretch right there. Charlotte. That's fine. This is where it gets a little bit better. Charlotte, Milwaukee, Philly, Atlanta, San Antonio, San Antonio. But then Denver, OKC, New Orleans, Cleveland, Minnesota, New Orleans, Clippers, Clippers, Kings, Timberwolves to end the year. So there's a San Antonio double in late March and then like the last 10 games of the year. That's brutal. They have a couple of stretches like that coming up. This is the first one. And that is why it was more, it was not imperative, but just important for them to kind of take advantage of the start of the year. They didn't. It happens. It's okay. The thing that's great, Kevin, is that when they're playing their best basketball, they are the best team. They should be the best team in the world, so it shouldn't matter. So it's more on them (laughs) than the schedule, obviously. Yeah. Um, It is important to point out where they are. Um, They're, like, what, three games out of, like, the fourth spot or something like that? Like, standings-wise, you you look at who's below them. Like, the Warriors can threaten, but they might be done. If we want to go on a long conversation about their window and and dynasty and all that but no not really it's you covered it yeah and then below that is like basically not much so like even if you're looking at these lower seeds playoff stuff i don't know like they'll they'll get there when when they hit the the gas pedal and figure this thing out assuming they do do that um and even if they don't they could still be there and, and have a late figure it out time in the playoffs but yeah i mean that that's not concerning it's still very there's a lot of thick weeds, I guess. I don't know if that's a good metaphor in the the standings because a lot of teams are figuring themselves out. It's just a matter of like the continuity teams are up top basically in the West and that's Timberwolves, Nuggets. Who am I forgetting is in the two? Um, so I was going to say um, top six wise, I think you can, um, without a significant injury, like a, of a top four or five player in their rotation missing two or three months, six weeks, whatever it is, T-Wolves, Nuggets, Thunder, Clippers, uh, I think are all going to be top six. Thunder, yeah. Um, Clippers, obviously, with the injury caveat. We'll see. Um, but they're playing really good basketball right now. And then for the other two spots, uh, the records, by the way, OKC 20-9, and nine, and then the Clippers are 18-12. and 12, And then after them, it is the Kings 17-12, and 12, Mavericks 18-14, and 14, Pelicans 18-14, and 14, Lakers 17-15, and 15, Houston 15-14, and 14, the Suns 15-15, and 15, the Warriors 15 and 16, and then I'll mention the Memphis Grizzlies at 10 and 20, but that's more of like a. Oof, they have a big hole to dig out of. If yeah. they go 11 and 2 in January, then all of a sudden they're nearly around 500 and then they're back in this thing. Um, but they'll have to, they have to figure it out immediately. So it's between those eight teams, in my opinion Kings, Mavericks, Pelicans, Lakers, Rockets, Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies competing for two spots, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the. Mavericks have been a pretty good regular season team this year. I think they've been better. Mm-hmm. Luke is playing out of his mind this month. He's averaging, I don't know what his monthly average It was 36 going into the Christmas game, and then he dropped 50 and 15. Um, Kings, I think, are nearly a lock. Like I feel pretty confident in putting them there, but there's still some weird 
they got off to a weird start. De'Aaron got hurt. It went even worse, and then they got back. But they've still kind of been fluttering a bit when it feels like they should be more like the Clippers are right now. Don't know what's going on with the Lakers. The Pelicans Don't, are... Never know what the Pelicans are doing, yeah. You never know with them either. The Rockets, it's a it's not only a good story, but it is a... Uh, with just all their young players and like Shengu turning into an all-star. Um, what Dylan Brooks and Van Vliet are doing for them, but it doesn't feel like they're going to be able to get up there. They'll be more of like in the play-in mix. And then I think the Warriors, I agree with you. I think that it's cooked. I think yeah. that they've just, they just don't have enough horses anymore. No. So it's just, it's right there. They're two and a half games out. We're, I think we're six weeks to two months away from even talking about a play-in possibility, to be honest. Yeah. Way too early to have I'm that not, talk. I don't want to have that talk now. All right, man. How about them cats? <sighs> Ten and three, baby. Six turnovers. Who am I worried about in the Big 12? I don't know. Oklahoma State? Not really. No. I like the bowl memes, and that's like the summary <laughs> of my college football experience and knowledge. Pop-Tarts. I, I wish I could have gotten to taste the Pop-Tart mascot. That was a weird thing to say out loud. Okay, we're going to leave now. Goodbye, everyone.